Welcome to the Senia Happy Hour Podcast with your host, Lori Bull. We know you're busy, so we bring you one hour's worth of content in under 30 minutes, leaving you time for a true happy hour. Hi, everyone. I couldn't be more excited to bring you today's podcast. Today, I get to speak with Katie Patella, who is the Chief Program Officer for the Nora Project. You guys, seriously, the Nora Project is what we've all been searching for in our international schools or our local school communities. The Nora Project gives us a way to bring disability education into our schools, training students and teachers. Have a listen, and I'm sure you're going to be inspired, just as inspired as I am, to bring the Nora Project to your own school. I could go on and on, but it's better you hear it from Katie herself. So now, on to the show. Hi, Katie, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Once upon a time, I was a program leader of a small school educating expatriate children in Shanghai, China. And one of my students from that program moved back to the United States and had a really difficult time fitting into the general education setting there. She was basically ostracized and not treated well by her peers. Then her mother discovered the Nora Project, the organization where you serve as the chief program officer. And the work your organization did, well, it was life-changing for her daughter. The mission of your project, the Nora Project, is to promote disability inclusion by empowering educators and engaging students and communities, which, what a great mission. Mm. <laughs> Reminds us of, of Senya, really. Uh, how, how do you, how does the Nora Project empower educators by engaging students and communities? Well, first, I want to say I'm so excited to hear the feedback from your friend that thrills us that we're reaching students and creating a more positive experience for them. Um, you know, our work with educators really starts with training and it's comprehensive training that we believe that most educators don't have access to in a lot of cases. So I am a teacher by training. I was an instructional coach for a number of years and, um, I never received any formal training in disability studies, much less how to support all students in my classroom. Um, I was a, a fourth and fifth grade teacher. I worked with students with disabilities, students who had IEP, IEPs and, and 504 plans. And I never had more than a, I think, two hour workshop in college yeah. on how to support students with disabilities. Isn't that crazy? I was just doing research on this yesterday for a, a book that I'm writing with a co-author and a 2007 study said that the average teacher receives 1.5 courses in special education or disabilities. And I was thinking, well, I didn't receive any, I received a one hour workshop on classroom management mm -hmm. and nothing on disabilities. Now this was back a long time ago, but still. <laughs> yeah. Things Why? Haven't changed Why don't much. they know? They haven't changed much. And I, you know, I've had some conversations with professors, current professors who are, I think, 
a little bit more conscious of this, but they themselves also have not necessarily received the kind of training that would be able to inform a really strong program that would support new teachers coming into the field or teachers who have been in the field a long time doing graduate work, for example. I did my, my graduate degree. I also didn't receive any education in disability studies or how to support kids with disabilities. So this is a huge challenge. And I think that in general, um, teachers who work in the general education space feel a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear around supporting kids with disabilities because they don't feel like they know how. They don't think that they have the skills. And we've set up this system in education where uh, folks who have special education degrees and you know the, the name special education has its own set of challenges and issues around it, right? Um, but folks that are, are specialists in this area are basically the keepers of the, of the skills and the information on how to support kids with disabilities. And that's just not true necessarily. They may have more education, but they aren't the only people in the school that have the ability to support all kids, right? And so, so this puts the burden on the special education teachers who probably have big caseloads of students um, who may not have sufficient time to be able to work with their colleagues to provide them with the information they need to really support all students in the classroom in an inclusive and accessible way. Um, and so we at the Nora Project have this mission of empowering teachers by providing them with a strong foundation in disability studies uh, led by disabled people. We really are trying to center the disabled perspective. So we bring in um, a lot of folks with disabilities, with lived experience of disability to train our teachers every year. Um, we are working really hard to make sure that uh, folks with disabilities are represented on our staff. Um, and so we want to make sure that the education that we are providing to teachers is informed by lived experience of disability so that teachers have the language, the tools, the skills, and the understanding that they need to create an environment where all students feel a strong sense of belonging. And we also want to empower them by helping them to recognize ableism when they see it and to know what to do about it to know how to dismantle it and by creating classroom spaces that feel good to them and feel good to all of their students um, and you know to be able to challenge the structures that exist in the education system and beyond in their communities and families and beyond um, to improve that environment so that it really truly feels inclusive so that it's got you know this uh universal design approach. You know, we really want folks to feel like they know how to take on uh, this challenge of dismantling ableist thinking and, and ableist practices. Can you please explain ableism and ableist practices for our listeners who may, this may be a new term for? Just in general, ableism is the belief that people who are non-disabled are somehow have their lives have more value than people who are disabled. And it is, you know, ableism occurs when we perpetuate uh, stereotypes about disability, when we use language that is painting disability in a negative light, when we create or 
sort of sustain barriers to folks with disabilities to physical spaces, to um, you know, thought spaces, et cetera. So when we talk about dismantling ableism, um, we're talking about, first of all, helping people be able to recognize when it is occurring, um, when barriers exist, and then offering suggestions to them for how to uh, eliminate those barriers or at least minimize those barriers. So um, when we're doing our trainings in schools and in corporate settings and such, a lot of the time we'll start with something simple like microaggressions, which even though they are you know, sort of small everyday slights, they are doing a lot of harm. Our words matter. Um, so the language that we choose to use um, is, is really important. Um, the way that we react to disability, the way that we paint disability as something tragic or unfortunate rather than something neutral, because it's just a part of the human condition, like any other identity part, those are, you know, that's where we start because that's a simple thing. And then we can sort of get into larger systemic barriers that are, are tied to ableism. Gotcha. So you have disability studies and is it a curriculum that you're providing for schools? Yeah. So we have uh, programs for students in um, preschool through high school. So we're serving students at all levels. Um, we have a set of year-long curricular programs that are social-emotional learning based. Uh, they focus on friendship skills, empathy skills, and uh disability studies. Some of our programs go more deeply into disability studies, the disability rights movement in the United States, disability history in the United States, uh, but all of our programs address disability as diversity. So we have our year-long programs. We call those our life cycle suite of programs. And then we also have a set of shorter units called our jumpstart units, which are a great way for folks to incorporate the content that we provide in a smaller, more flexible package. Um, we recognize that it's a really challenging time in schools right now. Mm -hmm. um, and teachers are feeling, uh, they're feeling tired and they're feeling overburdened. And so we wanted to make it very accessible for folks to bring this content to their, their schools um, and be able to incorporate it in a meaningful way but one that's a little bit more flexible than our uh, year-long programs. Right. And would you recommend that schools take this on as a full curriculum rather than just the classrooms of someone who might be supporting an individual with a disability? Yeah. So actually our programs are written for all students. That is the idea that they are taught in inclusive settings where students with and without disabilities are learning together. And if we think about it, we know that in every classroom, there are students with and without disabilities, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so it's important to us that folks recognize that this is not content for students with disabilities or for students without disabilities. It's content for all students. Every kid needs to learn about disability because disability is a part of a lot of people's identity. And so we need to be able to understand it just like we would any other identity part. Yeah. When I was teaching at an international school, I went into a high school classroom, their theory of knowledge class, and um, spoke to them about autism spectrum disorder. 
And it was really interesting with one in 44 people being diagnosed on the spectrum, how many of the students did not know anyone with autism or they thought they didn't know with anyone on the spectrum. (laughs) And, and one of the uh, students in the class, she raised her hand afterwards and she said, this is ridiculous. I said, what's that? She said, why do we not know anything about this? Why am I 18 years old? I'm about ready to graduate high school. And this is the first I'm learning about individuals with disabilities uh, because our school doesn't have anyone with a disability in it. And, you know, so it was just, it was just fascinating to hear her perspective and she was mad and I was mad with her. Uh, <laughs> because international schools are are kind of known for not having individuals with disabilities in, in the school. This is changing and it's been changing slowly throughout the years, which is a really positive uh, thing for all of us. So I guess my question here is, can our international school population take part in the Nora Project curriculum? Absolutely. Absolutely. We are currently serving schools in the United States and in Canada. We're working on expanding to the UK, but we're really excited about reaching folks all over the world. This content is important for everybody, as I've said, and so there's no reason why it shouldn't um, be disseminated into uh, the international schools around the world as well. Um, And I'll just, you know, that story, it, that hits me because we're mad a lot at the Nora project too, right? Mm-hmm. Like the state of education is, is disappointing in a lot of ways in, in based on, you know, that story where we've created this segregated system where students with disabilities are, are removed from mm-hmm. the, from their peers. And that is unacceptable. And so what we hope is that by educating folks about disability as diversity and, um, raising people's consciousness about that, that we can start to change hearts and minds and get school staff to question who isn't in the room, you know, what can we do about it? How can we push on this and adjust and change the system so that all people, not just students, because you don't see or hear about very many adults, teachers with disabilities either. Mm-hmm. Uh, schools okay. are, are not very accessible places. And we have this stigma around disability so that people don't feel comfortable disclosing if they have a non-apparent disability because right. there is so much uh, you know, ableism sort of baked into our society. And so what we hope is that we can open the conversation around disability and take away the fear so that people don't have to feel, um, you know, some people even feel nervous about using the word disability. Yeah. That's why we have euphemisms like special needs and differently abled that the disability community really does not prefer. Um, and, and we encourage teachers to say disability, just say it. There's nothing wrong right. with it. There's no reason not to. Um, so, you know, we were really just trying to help people overcome and unlearn all of that um, so that they can push on those systems and, and get that education in 
to their schools. And um, actually in the States, there are a handful of States, Illinois included, which is where uh, many of us at the Nora Project are based, where there's a law that disability be something that kids learn about in school. Oh, okay. uh, and it's an unfunded mandate in, uh, in Illinois and in most other States. Uh, but it is something that is clearly important enough to include in uh, school curriculum. And, and yet we don't have a lot of folks sort of fighting and pushing to make sure that that's happening and to make sure that that's happening in a way that is um, not doing harm to disabled kids. So a lot of the programs that we see that sort of check that box, which that's its own problem, right. are simulation-based. And that uh. simulation-focused curriculum can really be harmful and can help develop in non-disabled children's minds um, this sense that I've, for example, you know, um, a lot of the time a very common simulation activity is like, I'm going to wear a blindfold so that I can know what it's like to be blind. Well, wearing a blindfold for five minutes certainly isn't going to teach you what it's like to be blind, but it may make you think that you know what it's like to be blind. And it may make you think like, oh, thank goodness I'm not blind. Right. What a tragic, terrible way to live. That is uh. not the thing that we want kids to walk away from when they're learning about disability. We want them to learn that disability is an identity, that a lot of people are really proud of that identity, that people with disabilities do the same stuff as people without disabilities, that anybody can become disabled at any time in their life. It's the only thing that's intersectional with every other identity part. So we want kids to walk away with those, that perspective of disability and not one where they are, you know, saying, phew, thank goodness I'm not disabled. Really, really don't want to perpetuate that kind of thinking. Wonderful. I was curious as well. So as you were talking, I was thinking about the diversity and inclusion movement happening everywhere in the world right now and how sometimes there's a focus on individuals with disabilities within this movement and sometimes not. Mm -hmm. Does Nora Project have any sort of intersectionality with that in their curriculum? Yeah, so we have, um, we've noticed that too, that disability is very frequently left off the table. And um, we actually worked with uh, an organization to, to help us look at all of our curriculum through a DEI lens to ensure that um, all the students that are working with our curriculum see themselves in our curriculum. And so we made some pretty significant adjustments to the program materials in um, 2020. And uh, we also worked with one of our, our Nora Project teachers, actually, Alex Parker, who helped us create a, a tool called our Pivot Points, Pivot Points Companion Guide. And that tool is designed to help teachers pivot conversations about disability to other aspects of diversity, mm. because we think that disability is a really great jumping off point to talk about other aspects of, of diversity, race, gender expression, ethnicity, et cetera. So lots of opportunities for rich conversation, and you can use disability as the starting point. Um, so we do have that tool available for our schools to use to sort of generate those larger conversations right. in the DEI space. That's great. 
very encouraging as well. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about the video projects that you've done with some of your students. Yeah. So our, our flagship program is called the Storyteller Project. And that program culminates in the creation of, it's a student-created documentary. So the whole idea of that program is for kids to use storytelling as a mechanism to better understand themselves, their own identities, and also to connect with their peers. So they are learning about one another through structured activities, um, lessons that they learn, you know, they learn about disability, they learn about disability history, empathy, friendship, best practices for inclusion. They learn about all of this through sort of direct instruction. Um, but then they also are working in groups all year long. Um, so teachers create groups within their classrooms and students have the opportunity to get to know each other better. So even if these students have been, you know, typically our storyteller project happens in fourth or fifth grade, but we we've seen it done all through, you know, fourth through eighth grade. And we also have a high school version of the program. And so even if these students have been working, learning together for many, many years, we know that kids don't get to know each of their peers in that, in that group equally. Right. So we, um, create these groups so that students can intentionally get to know folks that they might not otherwise have spent a lot of time getting to know. Um, and they do these activity days throughout the school year where the kids, based on what they've learned about one another in their group, come up with ideas of what they would want to do together in unstructured time that would be enjoyable and accessible for every member of the group. And so during those activity days, they're collecting footage of that experience, those experiences. And that footage is what ends up in the uh, documentary films. They also interview one another. Um, Sometimes they interview uh, a, a trusted adult. Every child has the opportunity to name a trusted adult that they can be interviewed about them. Um, so the documentaries sort of spotlight each member of the group, share a little bit about them. And then students also reflect on the uh, three essential questions of the program, which are, what does it mean to be a good friend? Why is there no such thing as normal? And why do we share our stories with others? And so the documentaries are a culmination of all of that. Um, and we encourage schools to create a special um, event around those, whether that's virtual or in person, whether that is, uh, you know, a big after school celebration where the whole community comes or just families or just the students in the school attending. Um, but folks, you know, we, we provide, um, decoration materials so that they can, you know, create a special event around the, the screening of these documentaries and make sure that every kid gets their chance to sort of walk the red carpet mm-hmm. and uh, share what they learned with their community. Oh, it sounds phenomenal. And I can just imagine the excitement at a school when these events happen. Yeah, oh, I was I just, I was just at a, an event on Friday and it was the kids just love, they love sharing what they've learned and the process of reflection. What we hear from teachers is that their students just sort of, they take such ownership of the work and they, they really go deep and reflect deeply on what they've learned. And it, it's, it's transformative for kids. It really impacts their relationships. We ask kids to, to tell 
you know, how has the Nora project changed your relationships in general? And it's, it's so wonderful to hear kids say things like I, I'm kinder to everyone, or I look for, you know, someone who's not being included. And I try to figure out how I can include them or, you know, other like really important lessons about friendship that will apply for the rest of their lives. Right. Uh, it's, it's amazing. And it, it just makes me think it, earlier in the podcast, you mentioned that teachers are not fearful of the student or the disability. They're fearful really about their own ability, I guess, to mm-hmm. be able to work with these individuals and say the right thing or do the right thing. And I imagine our students feel the exact same way. So by having this opportunity, it takes away that, that fear. Yeah. Yeah. What we want to do is, is normalize and demystify disability. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So everything you all do there at the Nora project. Wow. Very commendable and amazing. (laughs) And I could go on and on. Uh, Tell me how, how did you begin? Where did this all start? So we've had a really interesting journey over the years. Uh, We were founded in 2016 um, and our, uh, CEO is um, actually mother of her daughter, Nora, uh, who is the namesake of the project. And so Nora was the inspiration for the project. But what's interesting about our organization is it has evolved so much from the beginning. We have learned so much uh, about the kind of work that needs to be done and the kind of work that we want to be a part of in terms of elevating disability as diversity and making sure that we are um, projecting that message to students and teachers. Um, so the program came about, um, because, you know, Lauren, uh, when Nora was born, Lauren realized she did not know really anything about disability as an adult and was reflecting on her experience, uh, growing up and thinking about how she never learned about disability in school, as you had mentioned. Um, and, and, she was looking around and wondering like, has that changed? And it hasn't, (laughs) it really hasn't. We're still not teaching about disability in school. So uh, Lauren uh, worked with her her cousin who was our co-founder and they came up with the first iteration of the Nora Project program to teach about disability in school. And um, since then we've grown from one program in one school to a whole suite of programs in Well, this year we worked with over 60 schools um, across the country and in Canada, and we're really hoping to expand that. So um, that was in 2016 when we when we started. And and here we are in 2022 and trying to continue to um, grow not only our program base, but also our training opportunities and trying to think about how can we make the most impact in the education space and beyond. So we also offer um, corporate trainings. We have a a Disability Inclusion 101 corporate training. It's a great workshop that has been really um, impactful for a lot of companies that we've worked with so far. Um, We're working on uh, providing more parent-focused content to ensure that parents also get this education and disability studies. Um, And we're always looking for ways to continue to serve Uh, our stakeholders um, to make sure that everybody has the information that they need to be able to be a part of the mission. 
Well, uh, we all want to be part of that mission. <laughs> so, this is exciting stuff. And I applaud your growth. I mean, I didn't realize you just began in 2016. That's, that's quite a, a, pro- a bit of prog- progress, excuse mm-hmm. me, since, since that time. So, yes, wow. yes. It's been a whirlwind. It's been a whirlwind. So, and have you been involved since the beginning? I joined in 2018. I was the second employee. Wow. And now we have a team of 10, I believe. And it's just, you know, always growing. Yeah. Well, we're going to be speaking with another one of the Nora Project employees um, upcoming soon. Jordan. That's right. So yeah, oh, I'm really excited about that. And I won't give away anything now. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, so finally, you will be one of our virtual conference speakers. Mm-hmm. What will you be talking about? Uh, I believe we are going to be bringing our Disability 101 uh, presentation to all of you um, to make sure that we share that foundation in disability studies um, with the folks attending the conference. We think it's a great primer um, that just sort of helps people start to question what they know or maybe haven't known Mm -hmm. um, and to give them a starting point for some really rich conversations. Fantastic. Well, I think that's a great place to end. Thank you, Katie. Thank you for your time and your energy and just what the Nora project brings to, to the world. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for today's show. For more information, including how to subscribe and show notes, please head to our website, that's senyainternational.org slash podcasts. Until next time, cheers.